0: Amen. Thank you, Deb. Thank you, uh, Mike and uh, Jane. Uh, Earlier today, Jane said to me, uh, "Do you care if Mike sings with me tonight?" And I thought to myself, "I didn't know Mike sang." And then she, yeah, and then she kind of (laughs) fixed fixed my thinking. Says Mike, right? oh, okay. I was kind of excited to hear you sing, brother. (laughs) Wouldn't it wouldn't wouldn't have lasted long my excitement? Yeah, it's the same reason I don't sing. Go ahead and get in your Bible, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 3. I hope, uh, as Debbie's saying, one of the things that went your, through your heart is, Lord, I'll pray. Uh, I'll pray. I wonder sometimes uh, all the things that don't happen to people because someone's praying for them. And uh, don't get discouraged. Uh, keep praying. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, this is our eighth message in our Sunday evening series on being wise in a foolish world. Uh, series focused in Proverbs. My desire through all of this series is that uh, whether you're here and, and, and you're seven or you're here and you're 97, that you would be wise beyond your years. Uh, none of us can help seasoning, growing older in life. That is inevitable. But growing wiser as we season in life is a choice. I hope you will make it one of your missions in life, that as you season, you will seek more and more of the wisdom of God. Uh, Bible-believing Baptist people have done a good job over the years speaking about everlasting life through Jesus Christ. Uh, When I go out knocking on doors and I bump into someone who talks to me and they attend a different church, I often ask them, Uh, If they're saved and if they tell me they're saved, I ask them where they were saved and it's amazing thing to me how many people were saved in a Baptist church and don't attend uh, a Baptist church any longer. I mean churches all over they populated with people saved in Baptist teen ministries, Baptist children's ministries, Baptist events uh, of all sorts. We, we've done a great job getting the gospel out. Praise the Lord. Uh, we've not done such a good job at teaching the people of God good character and how our Creator would have us live after we're saved. See, God's plan for eternal life is faith in Jesus Christ. But God's plan for living a life here after we're saved that is wise instead of foolish is throughout the Bible, but especially in the book of Proverbs. Here's the problem. Most of the people of God are fine to hear someone stand up and teach, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sins to be saved. They're fine with that, but what they don't want to hear is they don't want to have someone stand up and teach them how God has taught us to live. By the way, I thank God for a group of people like you who come back on a Sunday night and are interested not just and how to be saved, but how our Creator has asked us to live. Last week, we finished our third of 12 blocks into which I've broken the book of Proverbs. We finished a section on wisdom in our labor, and those uh, there are wise ways and foolish ways uh, that we uh, handle and balance our work and our leisure. We talked about how those who are wise in their labor, they don't make excuses for Failing to be diligent in their labor, they're not. Remember, they're not controlled by worst-case scenarios, not lying in the street scenarios, and they don't make excuses. Uh, they just do what they're supposed to do. We talked about how those who are wise in their labor understand that diligence and laziness each produce something different. You will rest better, end up with more leadership roles, have less unfulfilled desires, and end up with better bosses if you choose to be diligent instead of lazy. In life, may God give us grace to labor diligently in our homes, uh, in our workplaces, and in the Lord's church. Today, we begin our fourth block uh, wisdom in handling our money. I believe the two best displays of the depth of our faith are number one, how we handle our children, and number two, how we handle our money. And I believe that because those are the two dearest things to all of our hearts. And if you really want to be honest with yourself and the depth of your faith, you just need to glance at those two things and you will see how deep your faith is by how you handle those two things. But because those two things are the biggest uh, displays of the depth of our real faith, they're also the two things we least like to hear somebody talk about. Because we do not like anybody challenging our thinking, our beliefs, or our behavior in either one of these issues. My old pastor used to say that you could look in someone's checkbook and know where their heart is. You see, with money being such an important subject to our heart and our life, it is no surprise that the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about it. How should we wisely consider and use our money if we would be wise in God's sight? Go ahead and stand, please, in honor of God's word, and we're just wisdom with our money. Part one, I know, a lot of time on that. Proverbs chapter three, verse 13. Proverbs 3, verse 13. "Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding." For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all of her paths are peace. Thank you, might be seated. As I said earlier, the subject of money is a major theme in the book of Proverbs because it is such an important subject to us. The word riches appears 33 times. Usury, which is borrowing money once. Surety, seven times. And surety is when we stand for someone else's loan or money that they're using. Wealth, six times. Poor or poverty, 49 times. Greed, Three times. Uh, and many, many more than those 99 incidents uh, that reference uh, the subject of money with other uh, related words. Uh, but in this particular text, our riches are linked to the wisdom we have from God. Notice in verse 13 there, it begins by telling us that happiness is linked to wisdom. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and that getteth understanding. And we talked about that uh, a few weeks ago. Notice then he uh, goes on to talk about how wisdom is better than gold and silver. See that in verse 14. And it's better than precious gems in verse 15. She's more precious than rubies. In fact, you cannot find any kind of earthly wealth that can be compared to wisdom. None of that uh, surprises us. Uh, but it begins to get our attention a little bit because in verse 16 in wisdom, it says length of days is in her right hand. And right hand, of course, is a position of strength. And, and you will live longer uh, with the wisdom of God. By the way, if you live a foolish life, you're going to shorten your life. Uh, you, you are going to make your life more miserable. You're going to shorten it. It's going to be less happy. And notice, but in her left hand in verse 16, are riches and honor. It's interesting that the wisdom of God brings riches. Proverbs 14.24 says the crown of the wise is the riches. Proverbs two four says by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Um, to read that wisdom is linked with long life and riches shouldn't surprise anyone unless you have in your mind that riches are always bad. Now, while it is true that riches have consumed the hearts of many believers, riches have left those who have sought them with much more emptiness than they started with. Riches have disappointed most people who have found them. Uh, Listen to me, I'm going to make this statement twice. It is very different seeking riches than it is to seek wisdom and seek God and end up with riches. Let me say that again. It is very different to seek riches than it is to seek wisdom and to seek God and end up with riches. Most of our culture is not seeking God's wisdom, nor are they seeking God. Most of our culture is seeking riches. Now money, of course, is a great servant. It is just a terrible master. And those of us who would be wise in God's sight will keep our desire for riches in check The wise man said in Proverbs chapter 30 verse 8, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. It's pretty obvious as we begin to think about this, that we should be seeking wisdom from God and seeking God instead of seeking riches. By the way, before we move on, I think it's just important to point out that riches in this context is different from what we would call rich. This uh, riches in this particular context, God is not saying if you behave yourself wiser, you'll become rich. What He is saying is you will have wealth. You will have enough. You will have provision if you get, seek and get the wisdom of God. You will have enough. Now, we've already spent the last two weeks in a row talking about how it is through wise labor and diligence that God provides for His children and keeps them out of poverty. He gives us riches in that manner. Turn to Proverbs chapter 10. Notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. It says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Now understand, there's a way you can become rich and get a lot of sorrow with that riches. And then there's a way that you can have riches and not have the sorrow with it. Listen, if you seek riches, understand, if you get them, you're going to get sorrow with those riches. If you seek the wisdom of God and seek God, when you get those riches, you're not going to get the sorrow with it that comes. They're two different things. Let me ask you tonight, is your honest testimony that you're seeking God more than wealth? Seek God, be diligent, and you will always have enough. How strong is your desire for wealth? Is it dominating your choices and priorities too much? Listen, there's a reason all these pyramid schemes and get-rich-quick schemes work. There's a reason that the lottery works even though you're like ten times more likely to be struck by lightning. It's a regressive tax. Listen, you're not going to go to Indian Hill and Mason and find lottery places on every street corner. You go to the poor parts of our, uh, our city and you'll find all kinds of people buying lottery tickets and the state is glad to take their money. Because mankind in general wants to be rich without labor and that kind of wealth and that kind of method brings sorrow with riches. If we seek wisdom from God and we seek God, the riches and wealth that that brings will not bring that kind of sorrow with it. Turn up to Proverbs 23. This is kind of an interesting Bible principle. Seek wealth, and you will end up disappointed, because you, when you arrive, it will be gone. Seek wealth, and you will be disappointed, because when you arrive, it will be gone. Notice what Proverbs 23, five says. It says, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. So what does that mean? See, if you're here tonight and you're making minimum wage, I don't know what that is, $8.35 or something, uh, in your mind you're thinking, if I made $15 an hour, everything would be all right. And if you ever get to the place where you do make $15 an hour, you know what you're going to think? Man, I still don't have enough. If I've just... If, 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 if instead of 30 grand at $15 an hour, if I just made 50 grand, if I made $25 an hour, I would have enough then. And you know what's going to happen? When you get $25 an hour and you make 50 grand, riches is going to again, it's going to fly away and you're going to feel the same way. Man, if I just had 70. 50 is just not enough. If I had 70 grand, then it would be it. And you know what's going to happen when you make 70 grand? You're going to get there and you say, you know what, it's just not enough. Understand that satisfaction in our heart never is with anything outside us. If we are ever going to have true satisfaction and peace, it must come from what is within us. Riches have wings. They always fly away. As soon as you get where you thought riches were, you will find that it flew away and it's now resting somewhere else. I could go to person after person in this room tonight who have, by virtue of their education and skill and diligence, lived long enough to have gotten to each one of them places where they thought they would have enough. And what they would tell you is this, when I got there, it wasn't there. It was always at the next spot. Seek wealth, you will end up disappointed. Seek God and the wisdom of God, and you will always have enough, and you'll have satisfaction. Satisfaction comes in Christ. Satisfaction comes not in wealth, but in healthy and meaningful relationship with God and others. Never in riches. Which gets us to the question that we're going to begin to answer over the course of the next couple of weeks. How should I think about wealth and riches and poverty if I want to be wise in God's eyes when it comes to my money? How should I think about wealth, riches, and poverty if I would be wise in God's eyes? First, please go back in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. And tonight I want to talk about the priority of wealth. If I'm going to be wise in God's eyes with my money, I must have wealth in the right priority in my life. By the way, most people, wealth is number one. Most people. If I'm going to be wise in God's eyes, I must have wealth in the right priority. You say, what is the right priority? Number one, your life is more important than your wealth. Your life is more important than your wealth. Notice Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7 and 8. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. The ransom of a man's life are his riches, but the poor heareth not rebuke. Now verse 7 isn't on our subject exactly, but it should be obvious to everyone here tonight that to be truly rich you may or may not have much money. When I think of that, I always think about my grandparents who uh, we grew up next to when I was growing up. They they had a farm, 65-acre farm, uh, worked from dawn to dusk, Monday through Saturday, Uh, had a big sign on the barn, on the fruit stand there, closed Sunday, Uh, barely had enough to get by. Every year, just enough to get by. Uh, Two of the most contented people I've ever met. I can still hear my grandfather laughing. He laughed all the time. He had nothing. But he was rich. But verse 8 is the point that I wanted to make. Your life is more important than your wealth. In verse 8 he says, the rent, ransom, By the way, before I go on, uh, understand that uh, there's a lot of people with wealth who are really, really poor. You may or may not have read a recent news article about Michael Phelps. You realize he was suicidal just a couple of years ago. Suicidal. Uh, today, I understand his personal wealth is $55 million. And he was the most decorated Olympic athlete in history. And here's a guy who's got all this money and all this fame. Literally literally everyone across the globe knows who Michael Phelps is and he's suicidal and looking at his life and saying, why am I here? Uh, In his particular case, he read a Rick Warren book about the purpose-driven life and I'm no big Rick Warren fan and to me that book is just okay, but it helped him. I mean, I, I think about All these very wealthy comedians who've killed themselves. I mean, they have a lot of riches, but they're poor. I mean, what a tragedy that Robin Williams felt the way he did about his life. To me, he's one of the funniest and most clever people I've ever heard. John Candy, John Pelucci. I mean, all these comedians, the people that make everybody else laugh and have all this money. Nothing inside. They're poor. And we need to make, make sure that we really understand what makes someone rich. But to our point, in, in chapter 13 and verse 8, in the first part of that verse, it says, a ransom of a man's life are his riches. Now, this is one of those verses, uh, like much of Proverbs, you really need to just pause on and meditate on. But understand that because ransom money is less valuable than the life of the person being held, People trade money for life. And that's the first priority of wealth. Life is more important than wealth. Now, that may seem obvious. But to be honest with you, as I observe people's lives, it's not a principle that many people practice on a regular basis. Now, we often lament that it seems like the government and companies don't care. By the way, they can't care. Governments and companies don't care. People care. I'm not amazed that the government doesn't care. I'm not amazed that companies don't care. What I'm amazed at is that people don't care. What amazes me is that people value money over life. Now we know biblically speaking that our life is really just a vapor. It appears for a time and then vanishes away. It's very short. And and anybody in this room tonight who is 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years old, if you were to ask them to say, how fast has it gone? They would say, a blink of an eye. It's almost as if we were born, we blinked and it was over. And so when we begin to think about that, when we think about life being more value than money, understand that in in some ways our life is our time here. For me to say, uh, I value life over money, everybody says, yeah, that's right. Let me say this, but you know what, if life is really in some ways our time here, do you value your time here over money? We could all name people who scrimped and saved and behaved themselves wisely and they accumulated wealth, and when it gets down to the end of their life, they would spend tens of thousands of dollars or even spend it all for more time. But you know what happens to most of us is we wait too long in life to actually realize That life is more valuable than money. See, if we would live wisely, we need to understand life is more valuable than money. Our time here is our life. Our time is more valuable than money. Now, we'll talk about this more later. I know we're supposed to save something. uh, But listen, if you are saving so scrupulously that you're not living, you're not valuing time and money rightly. Uh, I know we're supposed to give something. We'll we'll talk about that. But understand to have all these things in perspective is important. Listen, I would rather live in a smaller house and have time with my wife and children and time to serve God than have a big mansion and lots of wealth and no time with my family or to serve my God. That's what I'm talking about. That's valuing life over wealth. That's valuing time over wealth. I'd rather spend vacation with people I love than have extra money in the bank. I understand we're supposed to save something. I understand that. We'll, we will talk about that. But, but I would rather spend time with people and money with people. And have stuff. By the way, God talks about this uh, several different ways. Notice in Proverbs 15, verse 17. It says, Better is a dinner of herbs, and it's not herbs, Wally, who always hassles me about silent H's. Better is a dinner of herbs, where love is, than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. What is he teaching us? He said, listen, you'd be better to sit down at a table with people that love you and eat lettuce than you would to have nobody who loves you to sit around the table and have a, uh, an ox in the barn and have all kinds of stuff. You say, why? Because life is more valuable than wealth. Turn up to chapter 17, verse 1. Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. Listen, there is great value on peace in your key relationships. There there, is a great value on loving relationships. Loving relationships always take time to nurture. Always. And if we don't value time above wealth, we'll never handle this right. Don't misunderstand me. If you say, Brother Wally, uh, would you rather have uh, all kinds of a nice house and a nice car and a big bank account and nice vacations and all that stuff and healthy relationships? You say, well, I'd rather have them both. (laughs) But if I have to choose, I'd rather have healthy relationships and time for God than wealth. What choice are you making? I'm not asking you what you think should happen. I'm asking you what are you choosing. Listen, I can look at your schedule if you have one, and I can tell whether you value wealth over your relationships. Where are you spending your time? That is what you really believe. Not only when we think about the priority of wealth, is life more important than wealth, but when we think about the priority of wealth, go to Proverbs chapter 22. Secondly tonight, uh, our name is more important than our wealth. Notice what it says here. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. loving favor rather than silver or gold. We'd be better to be loved than have silver and gold. We'd be better to have a good name than great riches. The priority of wealth is our name, and having someone care for us is more important than our wealth. Now, every person's name means something at birth. Many parents, not all, but many of them get books of names and they look through them and they look through what those names mean and they carefully pick that out uh, for their child. Or sometimes they pick a name they like even though they don't care what it means. I mean, we picked Caleb for a name uh, for one of our children. That means dog. And I have a a big list of of names and what they mean. Uh, Megan means great one or mighty one. Matthew, gift of God, Deborah, industrious. Uh Amy means loved. Bonnie, uh looking cheerful and healthy. Paul means small. Hannah, God has favored or gracious. Robin is a feminine form of Robert. Uh, Sarah means princess. Stephen means crowned one. Uh, William means resolute protector. James the trickster. Rebecca, the ensnarer. Jessica, wealthy. Michael, who is like God. Uh, Cheryl, little womanly one. My name, Wallace, means stranger in German. And that's quite accurate. I'm stranger. But the fact of the matter is, is though each of our names start with a meaning when we get them, really, most importantly, we attach a meaning to our name by the way we live our life. And the meaning that we attach to our name by the way we live our life is more important than the money we accumulate. If our name is dirty and despised, it does not matter how much wealth we have. Listen, no one names their children Ahab and Jezebel today, though they were very wealthy. People still name their children Elijah. And he was poor and he lived at the same time as Ahab and Jezebel. You say, what? Those names mean something. If you're dirtying your name among the Lord's people because of the way you live, you're making a bad choice. If you're dirtying your name to climb the ladder in business or in the community, uh, you've made your wealth more important than your name. Listen, all of us in the business world can name people who've stepped on anyone and everyone who got in their way to make more money. Listen, your wealth should not matter as much as your name. That is not a wise priority on wealth. We know people who have sold out their country, sold out their friends for ransom payment or promotion. Listen, the the name Benedict Arnold, I don't even know if they teach that stuff in U.S. history anymore, but listen, that name means something. It means traitor. To this very day, 200 years later. What is most important to you in your school, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in the church? Uh, What is more important, your wealth or your name? Would you rather be known in your neighborhood as a person who's nice or the person with a nice house? Listen, those are two different things. I say this all the time. Listen, our neighbors, they don't know that the King James Bible is a better Bible. They do know that if we're Christian, we're supposed to be nice. What's most important to you? Your wealth or your name? Those who live with the wisdom of God value their name more than their wealth. Again, we're talking about the priority of wealth. If we would be wise in, in, in God's eyes, how we prioritize our name and being loved more than our wealth, uh, and go to Proverbs chapter 28. We prioritize our life, our time above wealth. So Brother Wally, I, I've got a, a five year plan to get our family out of its pickle. I just am not going to see my wife or kids for five years. Get on a ten-year plan. Amen. I, I man, I'm not. Gonna, I'm, just, I'm just shut up there. Uh, number three, we're talking about the priority of wealth. Listen, I always get in the most trouble when I leave my notes. My notes get me in enough trouble, but at least I thought through it. <laughs> Uh, Listen, I uh, I don't mind getting in trouble so much when I'm in trouble for preaching something that's in the book. What grieves my heart is when when I'm in trouble and and I'm in trouble for something I said it wasn't right. Amen? When you think about the priority of wealth, uh, number three, your integrity is more important than your wealth. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 6. That doesn't look right. Hmm. How about Proverbs 19.1? There's one of them in Proverbs twenty eight that matches that point, but I don't know what it is. What is it? Was it right? Well, go back to twenty eight. I like to hear that. I'm right. Did you hear that, Sharon? I would love to hear that in a female tone of voice, just once. You were right. Proverbs chapter twenty eight verse six. I'll try it again. This time, I won't look at chapter twenty nine. Proverbs 28, 6 says, Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Our integrity, our uprightness, is more important than our wealth. Go back a few pages to chapter 19. That's what it says in chapter 19 and verse 1. Better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. The first part of that, again, same principle. If we're going to prioritize our wealth wisely, we prioritize our uprightness and our integrity above our wealth. You know what I've learned? Having integrity and living uprightly is always going to cost me money. What good is it if you become wealthy selling your body, selling drugs, taking advantage of people, stealing and being dishonest? You've got to live with you. And you've got to answer to God. (laughs) You know, it is really easy to live with a flexible kind of integrity. So what do you mean by that? I I mean you're honest until it's in your interest to be dishonest. And again, integrity always costs us money. It's easy to lose our integrity with the government. There's not a person here that doesn't feel overtaxed and underrepresented. Listen, if you say, hey, Brother Waller, would you like higher taxes? No. But it's far, likely far too common among the people of God to be dishonest with the government. I cannot tell you how I despise claiming money that I get through cash for weddings and funerals that I do. I never charge anybody. I have a lot of people give me zero. I have other people that are generous with me. I hate that the law says I have to claim that as income. I mean, I put it in. I hate it. So why do you do it? Integrity. Easy to lose our integrity with the government in more areas than our taxes. Just this week, I pulled into a, a store parking lot and I watched the lady pull around in the handicapped parking spot, had one of the handicapped stickers. She got out of there, walked just as fast and as healthy as anybody I've ever seen. I almost yelled out, Liar, liar, liar! Is your integrity worth those 30 steps you saved, lady? So well, my grandma's got a handicap sticker and I borrowed her car. Well, park according to how well you walk, not granny. That's called integrity. I've known people, and many of you all have too, they live on complete government disability, and they're not disabled. And they're, like, proud of it. Our old neighbor was like that, and I, like, always wanted to jump over the fence and punch her. You know, getting out of bed at 10, playing all day long, uh, you, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I'm paying you, woman. Now, I, listen, if you uh, paid for those benefits and you have those benefits coming, that's fine. It really is. But listen, if you have to lie to get it, understand something's wrong. And you're not valuing integrity over wealth. It's easy to lose our integrity with a large company. We feel like they've got the money, nobody will notice. I wonder how common it is that expense reports are fudged. Time cards are not handled honestly. Things that belong to the company end up with you that you don't have permission to have. Easy to lose our integrity with the church. And not spend the Lord's money that we're responsible for as well or better than we'd spend our own. To be upright in life, to live with integrity, is much more important than any amount of wealth you can accumulate. What's more important to you? Your integrity and uprightness? Or your wealth? See, to value our integrity and being upright above our wealth is looking at our wealth with the wisdom of God, that it's going to cost us money. And so I'll just ask you tonight, are you handling the priority of your money the way God considers wise? Your money is not important as your life. It's not as important as your time. Your money is not as important as being loved and attaching a good name to your, to your life. It's not as important as living with uprightness and integrity. Amen? No matter how uprightly you live, you will never live uprightly enough to deserve eternal life. Eternal life is the gift of God through Jesus Christ. If you're not saved, you need the Lord. And for those of us who are saved, we need to understand that the message of God to us goes beyond believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, though that takes care of eternity. If we want to live a life that's blessed and honors God, we must live wisely. Amen? If you'd stand tonight.